this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. It's NLL face-off weekend as we kick off a brand new season. We'll talk to Mike Hazen of the Rochester Nighthawks and Pat Coyle of the Colorado Mavs. And with all 13 teams announcing their rosters, we can be good and bad for everyone. All that more on OTCB. And welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud NLL Radio, the Lacrosse Flash, and of course on Spotify. My name is Teddy Jenner. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners, and happy NLL face-off weekend. It is time. Three games to kick off the 1920 season. It all gets going Friday night right here in Denver. Yes, I am in Denver. It is cold. Uh, it's not snowing anymore, but they got like a foot and a half of snow a couple days ago. So thankfully all the snow stopped. So the boys can get in here from wherever they're flying and the rush can get in here. And we can get this season going. Of course, there's other games on the schedule. We got Vancouver and Calgary Friday night, a half hour after the Colorado Saskatchewan game goes, gets going. And that Calgary Vancouver game is the first game for the Alterna Cup competition between all five Canadian teams. It'll be based on winning percentages because they don't all play the same amount of games against Canadian teams, but be a very interesting in season competition. We kind of talked about it last week about how the logistics of it would work and whether teams would put more emphasis on those games as they play them throughout the year. So we'll get our first experience of the Alterna Cup uh, Friday night. The trophy isn't ready yet, but it will be soon. And sounds like they will be parading it across the country starting in the new year. Whenever there is an Alterna Cup game, the trophy will be in tow. And then the third game of NLL face-off weekend. Rochester 2.0 takes on the heavily favored Eastern Beasts, Georgia Swarm. And you talk to most people, and they will all agree that Georgia should have a clear path, not just to the number one seed in the Eastern Division, but quite possibly the number one seed overall. We'll get into all that as the show gets going. But housekeeping, of course, if you want to get a hold of me here on the show, you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Head over to lacrosseflash.com right now, uh, and you can check out our preseason rankings. It is not going to make everybody happy. However, that's what preseason rankings do. They start a discussion, they get people talking, and if you don't like it, you just got to work harder to make your team better. Simple as that. So here's how it breaks down quickly in our preseason rankings over at The Flash. Calgary, Saskatchewan, Georgia, Buffalo, Toronto are your top five. San Diego, Colorado, Halifax, Rochester, New England, your middle five. And then Philly, Vancouver, New York, bringing up the rear. 
And as we mentioned off the top, we'll give you good and bad from all 13 rosters. And the bad isn't really bad because when you go through all these teams, they're all very talented and they're all very skilled and they all have depth, some more than others. But there are a few things that kind of stand out to me for some of these rosters and we'll get into that. But if you happen to listen to Lax class this week, you heard a couple nuggets from the commissioner, and we kind of talked about it last week of how he wants to get to 16 teams. Uh, while he was talking with Evan and Jake, he did kind of let it slip that Vegas is going to be a team, just not sure when. Uh, the words that he used was, quote, we're not sure if that's where we're going to put the team, unquote. And when he says that's where, he means the Orleans Arena, where they're going to play the... I guess, neutral site game between the Seals and the Mammoth in February. I believe it's February. Maybe it's January. January 28th, I think. And if he says that's not, they're not sure that's where they're going to put it, then that means that they have thoughts of where they're going to put it and that they're going to put a team in Vegas. So that kind of seems like it's next or at least down the pipeline, we all kind of think Dallas will be one of the next teams as well. At least many of us do. And there's been rumblings through different circles. And then a couple other little nuggets that came out of Nick Sakevich's mouth. Um, they want to get to full-time players by the time they get to 16 teams. And they hope to do that by 2023. And by getting to 16 teams, they also want to expand the schedule, which is a obvious move and decision. So four years, we could be up to 16 teams. Don't hate it. Don't love it. I'd like to see them slow down a little bit. And of course, with the unbalance of East-West teams, we got to make sure that we're putting those teams can still help balance the standings, the schedule, the divisions, and all that jazz. So a new team is going to be announced soon. We don't know who, we don't know when, but apparently, according to the commissioner, it is coming. But so is the start of a brand new National Lacrosse League season. It gets going Friday night, and the first two teams out of the gate are the Rush and the Mammoth. And if you remember, it was Joey Capito scoring the game winner last year in overtime as the rush fell to the Mammoth for the first time in the postseason. But also, it signified the first time the rush hadn't been out of the first round since 2013. So needless to say, there's going to be a bit of animosity between these two teams. They always play fantastic games. But when these two teams get together, you know it's going to be a very defensive, heavy style matchup. Both these teams have incredibly active defenses. Both have great goaltenders in Dylan Ward and Evan Kirk. Probably give a bit of the advantage out the front door to the rush. But home floor in front of a packed Pepsi Center. You got to think that the Mammoth are going to come out fired up. And you know Pat Coyle. The head coach and GM of the Mammoth is going to have his team prepared, ready. And you know, Pat Coyle 
is going to be fired up for game one. Yeah, really excited. Um, yeah, it feels like it's been a long time since we played, so ready to get at her. It's been, a, like you said, a bit of a long offseason since that loss to Calgary. What have you learned about your club and your team since that game? Um, well, I think the experience that we gained last year, you know, winning the playoff game and even battling Calgary that game for our young guys was invaluable. You could tell in training camp, uh, just everyone's a year older, you're more mature, a little more seasoned. So I, you could, you can feel like we're a little more mature this year. When you, you use that experience, especially at your front door with injuries to Wardle and Whitting, how important will that um, veteranness now on guys like Rooster and Killen and Liger pave the way for some young guys like Malcolm and Malloy? It's, it's a necessity really, you know, it's, if we don't have that, we're, we're going to be in trouble, I think. And, and who knows, you know, we're excited about the young guys like um, Dylan Kinnear and um, Malcolm. We're really excited to have those guys, but, but, you know, I think we got a good sample of them in the preseason, but we really don't know what we have. And, you know they're they're like going right into the fire, going against uh, Saskatchewan's defense with Rubish on that side for the lefties, and uh, yeah, I, we're not really sure what we're going to get. I, I'm I feel positive about it, but I know it's a big, big task ahead of us. Is it a bit of a benefit only having those first couple of games in, in November and December? You only have three games till the New Year. Will that allow guys like Wardle? and Wittig to get healthy, so not a lot of pressure is put on those young guys? I think so. I think so. Like, uh, I I think Chris Wardle technically is medically cleared to play Friday, but whether he does or not uh, is we'll, – we'll see. But And then we have two weeks off. So I think, you know, that the good thing about that is it gets those guys healthy fast. But, man, I like the fact that our young guys get to play right away. They actually get, you know, they've, they've had, we had three scrimmages. I thought our preseason, the way it, it went for us, the, the way it was scheduled was really good for us. Having that exhibition game in Calgary where it felt like a real game. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think, I think the young guys want to play. So, mm. I, I, I don't know. I don't think there is a ton of pressure on them. The benefit of having such a strong defense is you can interject some young blood into that and not have them miss a step. Warren Jeffrey and Brett Craig are going to play a lot of minutes for you out that back gate. How impressed have you been with their learning curve? Super impressed. Super impressed. And um, just their poise, um, how they move. That's the biggest thing. They're like both big men and they move really well and handle the ball really well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to see our defense. Like we always have felt pretty comfortable with our defense. The one thing I, I think we've all said that we wanted was to be a little bigger and we got that. So we're, I'm really excited about our defense this year. 
there was thoughts of maybe going with Clark Peterson in the draft. Obviously, he was taken, which allowed you to take Warren Jeffrey, who everybody's high on. Brett Craig was maybe a little further down that list. He took Malcolm in the middle. But how important was that size for you with Brett Craig being there? Huge, huge. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If you watch, it's hard not to look at the teams that have been successful recently, uh, even the teams in the final last year, the team that won Calgary had some really big guys on defense mm-hmm. there and um, not just big, but, but athletic big and Buffalo is a big defense and they were in the finals and Saskatchewan's a perennial uh, playoff team and they have big athletic defense. So if, I think if you're, you're playing against bigger and bigger offensive guys as well. There's not as many young or there's not as many small offensive guys, I would say, as before. Like, there's still the odd water bug guy, but mm-hmm. most guys, it's just genetics are bigger. And I think you have to match size with size and speed with speed. So, yeah, I think size really, really matters. It's funny that you say that because now that I look at your offense, your offense isn't that big. No, no, <laughs> except, Yeah. Now our goal is to get bigger on offense. We've, yeah. we've filled the need on defense. Nah, I, yeah, it's just it's the way the way the drafts have worked out, and it's not that we've necessarily like thought, okay, we're going to try and build a really small offense, but mm-hmm. that's just the way it's happened. And and bringing in Dylan Malloy is uh, sort of an answer to that because. Rue and Kellen and Lee are really buzzsaw, athletic, smaller guys, where Dylan Malloy is more of a smash-mouth kind of guy where he's going to create space with his body. And uh, I think he'll, they'll be – I think he's going to really fit in with those guys. What was the, the mindset of going after him and getting him uh, in the last week at camp? Uh, well, we had been talking to Buffalo for a few weeks there and, uh, we knew there was no rush because he wasn't going to be able to, it it was, uh, he wasn't going to be able to make it until the last weekend of camp anyway. So, um, and and honestly, it gave us a couple weeks to see our guys that we had drafted and brought in to the right side and they were going to be able to fill that need. And I don't know if you, we don't feel like we gave up a ton and we got a twerth on winning a yeah. winner, right? Like, I don't know. It, it, I know it's a bit of a risk, but it's also, we know, we know the pedigree, like you have to have to win that award. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you miss Ilya's church? Is that why you had to bring him back? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, he yeah for he left our team a couple of years ago because of work, mm-hmm. and uh, his work situations changed. And he phoned and asked us if he could come try out. And uh, everyone loves Elia. He's a gr- the the players love him, the coaches love him. So, um, you know, he had his work cut out for him. Just we had nine returning starters, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he. I thought he acquitted himself really well and he's starting out on the practice squad, but we know he, if someone got hurt, like he could easily step in and play. Yeah. He's just a real grit paper, but also a really good guy around the locker. 
Yeah, yeah, everyone likes him, and he's a he's sort of like a glue guy, right? Everyone just sort of gravitates towards him, and he's he's fun to be around. So it's nice, nice to have guys like that. And he's a leader. He's like yeah. a he's a veteran. He's been around the league for a long time, and he really wants to win. Obviously, the biggest factor for you guys is Dylan Moore between the pipes. You lose Steve Fryer in the expansion draft, but you gain Tyler Carlson. How important was it to find a steady backup that wouldn't push Dylan but would still push him? Huge, huge. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, that was the biggest – one of our biggest concerns after the expansion draft was um, what are we – what are we going to do? Because as, as little as Steve played for us, he, he had such a big role in so many other ways. And, um, it sort of felt like Carlson just sort of fell into our lap. And when we signed him, I know Selfer and I both breathed like a sigh of relief, like, well, good. Now we don't have to worry about that. And, um, you know, watching him play in the exhibition games, he's exactly what he we thought he was and that and that's good because like you said you may not play every game or you may not play a tenth of the games but those minutes that you put him in you need to have faith in him but you need him to keep your number one guy happy yeah absolutely it the truth is in in our sport we're always an injury away of you know our starting goalie not being our starting goalie and you can't be in a situation where you have someone where you're like, Oh no, like that's, he's going in for us and we don't feel that way. Uh, obviously he's not Dylan, but it's nice to know that, you know, if, if Dylan couldn't play Carlson could go in and, and we'd be good. Another year with Sean Williams and Anna McBride to your right and left. How is your chemistry of coaches built throughout the years so far? It's different right away, you could tell. And, and uh, you know, I think part of that is that we, just as much as we want the players to be growing and sort of learning in the off season, we, we talk about stuff at the beginning of the year and we're staying in touch more during the week. Um, and I, I think that helps a lot, just, you know, that, you know, we, we talk to each other during the week and uh, sort of, comparing notes all the time but you know I think Sean is more comfortable just another you know coming in and being an old coach and as much as you play like he's a hall of fame old guy it's not the same as Mm -hmm. coming and coaching and telling guys what to do and he's more comfortable in his message and Andrew's more comfortable in his message on the defense and I think I'm more comfortable in expressing to them what I want and trusting them more. And you can just feel it's, it's way more, we're, we're a better unit for sure. Did I see Steve Toll out in a practice in Ontario? Yeah. Yeah. Steve's our uh, Eastern scout. Uh, How's Speedy uh, Steven doing? He's doing good. He's good. He's a, he's a smart lacrosse guy too. So, um, you know, he coaches junior A in, in the East there with St. Catharines and he coaches in the, in the ALL, so he gets to see a lot of players, and uh, just having a guy that I know is lacrosse, like his background, and we played together, trust his opinion. It just a, any, I think any set of eyes that you can have of someone 
where you where you trust what they say, it really helps. Friday, November 29th, the Rush come to town, a team that you guys always play incredible games against. What's the message going to be for this group in game one? Uh, the biggest thing I want us to do this year is have fun. Yeah. Like, I want to go... I know that probably is opposite of what everyone would expect me to say, but I want us to go have fun and enjoy, enjoy. We're a young team. And I think um, we can, we can use that to our advantage. We, the, the enthusiasm and the excitement that we can have from those young guys that are still sort of wide eyed and bushy tails, you know what I mean? In the league and, and, uh, and just, Go out there and work hard. That's it. That's it. I think if we do that, things will go well for us. I know it's a ways away, but how excited are you for lacrosse in Vegas? Man, I'm not excited about that. I'm scared. <laughs> as a as a fan, that's great. As a coach, I'm like, oh, that that doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> are you more worried about guys making it there or making it out of there? I'm more worried about our game the following week. <laughs> I think San Diego gets a buy, has a buy that uh, the next week, and we don't. I think we yeah. play. No, you're in San Diego the next week. No, no, we're oh, sorry, uh, no, uh, in you're Saskatchewan. in Saskatchewan. We're in Saskatchewan right? on Friday, I think. Right. So I'm worried about guys getting lost in the Las Vegas triangle. There. There he is Pat Coyle, head coach, GM of the Colorado Mammoth. And I think there'll probably be a few coaches that if and when Vegas does come in to the NLL, that there is some concern about what happens in Vegas and unfortunately players staying in Vegas. It will be interesting if a team does go there. Um, I'm excited for the game that's going to be played there. I'm going to do all that I can to get down there for that contest. Because I think it's going to be incredible. But that's down the road. This Mammoth team is young. Especially on the left side of their O due to injuries to Chris Wardle and Jeff Wittig. But as you as you heard Pat say, they, they may be able to have Wardle ready for Friday night. Which would be a huge boost to that offense. Because as of right now, they just have Eli McLaughlin on that left shooter side that's ever played a game in the NLL. So you have a lot of youth there. And you still technically have some youth on the other side with Ryan Lee and Kyle Killen, who are just starting to come into their own. And of course, Dylan Malloy, who was brought over in a late trade during the preseason. So they've got some inexperience out that front door, which could play into the hands of that Saskatchewan rush defense. Because they are big, mean, and physical. And if you're not moving your feet and you're having trouble moving the ball, guys like Dilks and Corbeil and Messenger and Rubish are going to make it a very, very long night. Maybe one saving grace for the Mammoth is no Jeff Cornwall for the opening game. He's still got a little bit of time finishing up his firefighting probation. So there'll probably be a couple new bodies in the lineup for the rush, but that is a very veteran team that's been together for quite a long time. For the Mammoth on the other side, their defense remains intact, adding Warren Jeffrey and Brett Craig to that back end gives them size 
and a bit of a nastiness to them. And you heard Pat say that was kind of one of his worries about his team during the offseason. They wanted to get bigger. They wanted to add some more size and physicality. And with Brett Craig and Warren Jeffrey, they did just that. Now, they're not looking for those two guys to go and fight and beat people up. They just need size and bodies that can defend the size of guys like Mark Matthews and Randy Stotts and Dan Dawson, Kyle Matisse. And if you can put size on size, then your matchups become that much more imperative and that much more easy to handle. So really, really looking forward to Friday night getting the National Lacrosse League season opener started. John Galan will be riding shotgun with me. Nick Carlson down between the benches. No Jamie Shuchuk for game one. He's on a family vacation. But he'll be back with me up atop Mount Loud. 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time. 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And all games for the first two weeks on BR Live are free so make sure you go sign up and subscribe right now, brlive.com, and get your NLL subscription package ASAP because you do not want to miss any of the action this year. 13 teams, three new, two new cities, two new teams. It is going to be a wild, wild ride. Before we get to Mike Hazen, let's kind of dip into half the teams out there and let's do some good and bad. And like I said off the start, this isn't trying to pick straws or really fine-tooth comb what's good and bad with these teams. Just on a general surface appearance, some of the things that I think stand out for these Nash Lacrosse League clubs. Let's start out west in the West Division. And let's start with the Colorado Mammoth, who are going to be going up against the Saskatchewan Rush. The one good thing I like about them is they're big on D. We just talked about that. Brett Craig, Warren Jeffrey, Robert Hope, Dan Coates, another year removed from knee surgery. That is a big, big defense. They're fast, too, with guys like Gillis, Stewart, Sullivan. But I think they needed that size to just combat some of the other size on offense that's in the Western Division. But... Also, as mentioned, injuries are costing them on that lefty side. If they can get Wardle and Wittig back by the time the new year happens, that's huge. If they can get Wardle back for game one, even better. But over the first couple of games, if they don't get those two guys back, the likes of Will Malcolm, Dylan Kinnear are going to see a lot of minutes. And they're going to see a, a lot of top-ranked National Lacrosse League defenders that they've probably never, ever gone up against. It is a big-time jump from playing, you know, WLA Lacrosse, and then all of a sudden, you got Dilks, Cornwall, Messenger, and Rubish right in your face for 60 minutes. So... Good on the defense, size, Dylan Ward, love it. Lefty O depth, I like their depth, but as of right now, because of those injuries, it's going to be a bit of a tough start. For the Saskatchewan Rush, I love their familiarity. This is a team that doesn't have a lot of turnover from year to year. The only maybe downside on that defense, they do have a couple of new faces 
on that roster that might take a little while to figure out that defense. Justin Robinson, Holden Garland, one of their first round draft picks, and Ryan McLean. So some new bodies, but what Ryan Keenan, sorry, Derek Keenan does so well is by keeping numbers low in camp, he can instill his system into his new players that much quicker. So their familiarity is a big key, especially out the front door. A couple new bodies on the back end may see them have a bit of growing pains in the first week or two. As for the Vancouver Warriors, they get biz nasty in the house Friday night for their first game. Um, much like the Saskatchewan Rush, Vancouver has kept some familiarity out the front door. Shuss, Jones, McBride, those guys, another year playing together. Keegan Ball is probably going to be ready to have another strong year, much like he did last year. So I love the familiarity out the front door and adding Riley Lowen has really helped that offense. Unfortunately, out the back door, size is an issue for me. Matt Beers is a big body, as is James Ray. But when you go down the rest of their defensive lineup, they are quite small. I still don't know why Tyson Rowe isn't a starting 21 guy for this club. He is an absolute genetic freak. He's big, he's rangy, he's tall, he has speed. But for some reason, he just didn't crack the opening day roster for the Warriors. He's on their practice squad. And in goal, I, I, I'm just still not sure Eric Penny's the guy. And I know they have Aaron Bold there as well, who uh, has won championships wherever he's gone. But I think maybe his best days are behind him. And I'm still not sure, like I said, Eric Penny's ready to be a full-time starter in the National Lacrosse League. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him to be the guy. I know that they can fall back on Bold, but neither of those guys had strong years last year. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back here in 1920 for the defending champs the calgary roughnecks they have full floor depth they are probably one of the most consistently deep teams across the national lacrosse league from radio all the way through down through their goaltending but early injuries dutch on the ir reese Callies on the ir can they move past that and can guys like marshall king make a difference playing along with his brother Jesse. It'll be interesting to see how some of those young bodies like Ryan Martell, if he's going to be a starter for them, if he can make it work. I love Dan Taylor. He's coming into his own, but some early season injuries might slow Calgary down. But as we've seen in the past, slow starts are kind of Calgary's MO. And they always find a way to come out of the gate a little sluggish, a little slow. But once the meat of the season gets going, there's not many teams that run as well as the Calgary Roughnecks. Last team out west, San Diego Seals. Uh, I love their righty O. Berg is there now with that team. He's reunited uh, with Jeremy Noble. And when you look at that club, they're just really deep on that right side. Berg, Buchanan, Noble, and Kiernan uh, is an excellent right side. They've got size. They've got speed. They've got guys that don't need the ball, guys that can work with the ball. So I really like what Saskatchewan has done um, on that right side. They have an incredibly fast defense, but I'm just not sure about their lefty offense quite yet because they have injuries to Casey Jackson and Austin Stotts. And as I've said over the years, finding left-handers is always tough. There are a ton of great ones, 
but the depth at lefty spot isn't as deep, say, as right-handers are. And when you have Connor Fields, Evan Messenger, and Zach Greer, that's a decent group. Obviously, Greer is the veteran there, but Messenger's never really proven himself. Connor Fields, I think this is only going to be his second full season. He only played a couple games last year for the Seals. Um, he's an incredible talent, but we're going to have to see what he can do inside the box with a full season to see how he can compete. But like I said, Jackson, Stotts, both on the IR to start the year. When those two guys come back, they may have one of the best offenses in the entire National Lacrosse League. But until then, their depth is going to come into question. Let's go to the National Lacrosse League North Division. Buffalo, Toronto, Halifax, Rochester. Uh, we'll talk to Mike Hazen in a minute, so we'll save Rochester for a bit. Buffalo, uh, I love their defense in transition. Always been one of their strong points. I think Steve Dietrich has done a really nice job pulling in pieces, getting bodies to work. And then O-Depth, I, I, I think that may be an area where Buffalo struggles. Sure, they got Kluche, Small, Burns, Smith, and Fraser, but after that, it kind of drops off. Bridal and Quinn Palace, not exactly going to light the league on fire, but you need those guys to be the depth guys for the other five. Now, like I said, Bridal and Quinn Palace probably won't see a lot or a majority of the floor time for the Bandits. going to be Kluche, Small, Burns, Smith, and Fraser. It'll be interesting to see how Fraser's knee is after basically taking a whole year off of lacrosse to get ready. Can Buffalo get back to where they were last year in an NLL Cup final? We'll have to wait and see. The loss of Sean Evans is definitely going to hurt them. And Jordan Durston. We'll see how they can maneuver that roster up and down night to night to keep guys healthy, to keep guys fit, and to keep guys at 100%. Halifax, uh, uh, the relocated Rochester team, they've always had good offensive balance. I think they have that again this year. Uh, obviously, Cody Jamison is going to be the number one guy, but you also have uh, Jackson, Banesh, Chris Bushy, Stephen Keel, Austin Shanks, and of course, their first-round draft pick, Clark Peterson. So they have a ton of great offensive balance, but Warren Hill, Pete Dubinsky, between the pipes. Haven't really been proven yet. Obviously, Warren Hill was in Rochester last year, uh, and he saw a lot of the minutes as that season went on. So he'll probably be their number one and Pete Dubinsky will be their backup and Dubinsky's never gotten a shot. People are still unsure if he can make the jump to the National Lacrosse League and we're going to see pretty much right away who's going to be the guy for Halifax. Can Warren Hill be the number one or are they going to have to quickly jump and call on Pete Dubinsky if Warren Hill struggles out of the gate? And finally, the last team in the NLL North Division, the new look Rochester 2.0 Nighthawks. Uh, they have great offensive experience with guys like Sean Evans, Curtis Knight, Turner Evans, Pat Saunders, Holden Katoni. Um, again, they still have some bodies that could use a little bit more experience. Lintner's never been a full-time guy. Caputo's never been a full-time guy. So it'll be interesting to see how that group plays out in the first few weeks and what kind of cohesion they can have. And then the bad, I don't mind their defense. I'm just not sure it's the most intimidating defense out there. They have some good size. A lot of guys are 6'2", 6'3", but no real beasts other than Paul Dawson. 
And then their goaltending situation. Now, I don't think they have a bad goaltending situation. I think they have an incredibly young triumvirate of goaltenders in Fryer, Hartley, and Wendy. But as we've kind of mentioned a few times, as we break down the good and bad of these clubs, is the lack of experience of those three goaltenders. Fryer's only got a few full-time starts in the National Lacrosse League, and when he gets those starts, he generally plays really well. He's great coming off the bench in relief. And so it'll be interesting to see how he reacts if he's given the number one spot out of the gate. Craig Wendy spent much of his time as a practice roster guy down in Georgia. Um, All accounts say that he is ready to become a National Lacrosse League goaltender. I'm excited to see what he can do if he's given that shot. I'm also excited for Ryland Hartley. But Hartley is fresh out of junior. They're not going to throw him to the Wolves. So it's probably going to be Fryer and Wendy out the gate. And we'll have to see what Mike Hazen says about that system. Why did he go with three? What's the thought process? And does he have an idea of who's going to start? I got a chance to catch up with Mr. Mike Hazen. And he is super duper excited for Saturday night because it's been a long time coming. And he's just ready to get started. You know, I'm uh, really excited. It's, uh, it, it's, it's been a short training camp, but it's been it also seems like a long training camp. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're excited to see what we got. Um, had some good exhibition games, and it's got some uh, really good things, uh, I think, coming for Rutsch and uh, Nighthawks 2.0, I guess. As a guy that played his career with Nighthawks 1.0, how different is it to see the colors, the uniforms, and a bit of a change of the Nighthawks identity? It's, uh, you know what, it, it took a little while. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a teal, and a purple and teal guy. Um, that's, that's what I envision the Nighthawks to be and always have been, but uh, it's grown on me. Um, and seeing the guys, seeing the locker room, um, it's all freshly painted, and it's, the new logo is really sharp. It's, uh, it's grown on me now, and uh, yeah, I, again, I'm looking forward to showcasing uh, Rochester what we got this time around having been around the area for a while, how have the fans taken to the news? Obviously they weren't happy when the team left, but now they got a new team back. They still the night out. How are the fans taking to all of this? You know, I think, uh, I think good. Um, especially now that we're, uh, the season is upon us. Um, they've, uh, we've had a couple, uh, fan interactions, a couple events there, uh, where we're to meet and greets. And, and I think by over, overall, the, uh, they're, they're really excited to see what we have coming on the floor. Um, yeah, and again, it's, it's been positive. Like I say, it's, uh, it's the one good thing about it, um, um, knowing that they're going to be here, the Nighthawks are going to be here for, for a long time moving forward. So it's something they can build off of and, and grab, grab and, again, count on being here for a long time. Let's take a look at your roster in depth. Obviously, uh, with the expansion draft, your GM did an incredible job bringing in players that could – make an impact right away. Nobody bigger than Sean Evans, who started his career in Rochester and now is back. Um, how excited are you for him to be a leader for your group? Uh, very excited. Like I say, I've been fortunate enough to be with Shawnee for uh, for a few years, not just necessarily in Rochester, but with Peterborough as well. Uh, and remembering him as a, as a small, 
small kid who was, who was a bit of a handful uh, to where he is in his life right now. It's, uh, he's a leader for us. He's, uh, he's a true competitor, and you know he's going to give everything he's got uh, on the floor for us. And, and again, that's, that's the one great quality about him. But at the same time, the way he's grown up and he's matured, um, and we can lean on him and look towards him to do the right things to teach the young kids as well, and that's a big factor for for us here moving forward because we do have a lot of young kids and uh, guys are going to look up to him and, and he's doing it the right way now. You do have some youth, but you also have some good experience out that front door, but a lot of it is, is guys who have never really gotten a chance to play full-time minutes in the in the National Crossing. How important is it to get guys like Dan Lintner and Saunders and Phil Caputo reps and minutes to get them inundated to the high speed of that North Division? Yeah, most definitely, and, and yeah, because like I say, they, they, they've had a few opportunities uh, in this league, and, and they've done well when they had the opportunities, and and now we're going to lead on to be uh, to play really big minutes, and we're going to have to count on them, and, and that's uh, one thing good about our training camp here is that we were able to get uh, three scrimmages in, um, so we can kind of get a, a, you know, a, a good read on the quickness and not just being practicing against ourselves. You know, we played against three opponents and uh, it was early and, you know, you play a lot of guys that uh, play with a lot of guys and played against a lot of guys that are not necessarily in the lineups now. Um, but just get that mentality and that speed and that focus ready to play that it's uh, it's going to be quicker. And, and by all accounts, uh, the group we got up there is is going to be definitely, definitely going to be a good one. Number two overall pick, Rylan Reese, uh, has been lauded as a very Hossack-like player, a guy who could be a real long-time stay defender in this league. How impressed have you been with him so far? You know, I'm really impressed. Uh, I did not, personally, I did not know much about him. Um, just heard a lot, a lot of good things about him, but seeing him up close and personal, he's, uh, number one, he's, he's a great guy um, off the floor. Um and on the floor, he's just a sponge. He just uh, he's just learning to everything that we're we're teaching as a group, as, as our whole group is. But he's quick, he's fast, he's dynamic. Um, like I say, and he's strong. Like I say, he's not hostage. Hostage's a machine. Um, but what he does, his angles and his footwork are, are exceptional. Um, I mean, what he's going to make up possibly in the comparison to Hasek in size and strength, he's definitely going to make up in his IQ and his speed and. Yeah, we're, I think we're very fortunate to have him uh, back there uh, for a long time. I think one of the positions people may have put a question mark for you guys is between goal, the goal post, and you're the only team to take three active goaltenders. What was the thought process behind taking Fryer, Hartley, and Craig Wendy? You know what? To give them, uh, to give them all three, three an opportunity. Um, I think that's the biggest thing here for us is we're not entirely 100% sure uh, what we're going to get, um, and just you know, going from uh, from experience, personal experience being in Rochester last year, like say we, we counted on uh, a good thing for for you know to step in and take uh, care of things for us once Dino left, and you know I don't think it was necessarily right to put all that pressure on him, um, and, and it kind of we didn't get the results necessarily that we thought we would get and hope to get. Um, so this way, you know, there, there's really no pressure. We've got Fryer, who's uh, been in this league for a long time as a backup, um, who kind of understands uh, who understands how to play in this league, um, but he hasn't been that starter. Um, and same thing with Craig Wendy, being a practice roster guy. Um, we don't want to put all the pressure on them. Uh, we're going to do it a little bit by committee here, and, 
you know, each night uh, we're going to count on the guy to start, and he's going to going to count on to play quality minutes. And uh, if it's not working out that night, then we got a good uh, we got a good second one ready to go here. And that's kind of I think that's kind of what we're looking on right now. And then uh, Ryland, like I say, Ryland's a young guy coming out of junior. Again, we don't want to throw all the pressures on him. He had a dynamite summer in Orangeville, um, and we know he's going to be a goalie here for uh, in this league for a long time. But again, there's franchise, uh, new expansion franchise, and being in Raj, I think there's a lot of pressure for us that uh, you know live up to a few expectations, and we don't want to throw it on one guy and, and have those expectations possibly crumble him. So we're going to do it by committee. We're going to do it as a team and uh, as a group. We're going to get the job done. You get Georgia coming in Saturday night into the Blue Cross. How excited are you to really see your team go up against a tested veteran swarm club? Yeah, most definitely. It's uh, like I say, training camp was, as we kind of said to the guys there, is you know out of the pot right into the fire for game one because because uh, they're good, <laughs> they're really good mm. in all aspects of their game, right? So yeah, it's going to be a good test for us to see where see where we are. Um, I like our group. Like I say, we're we're, we're we're pretty smart offensively. Our IQ up there is uh, is really good, uh, and defensively we're, we're young and we're fast, but we're physical. And I like our where our game is right now, but we'll we'll see Saturday night. Just because of how the schedule works, after Saturday you get pretty much three weeks off before you take the first trip to Halifax against the former Nighthawks. But what is going to be the focus in that two and a half three weeks to get your club ready for the real heart of the season? Yeah, you know what? It's a little bit of a quirky schedule to start, but uh, but I think also think it's a good thing here for us because again we can get uh, we can get our guys uh, their feet wet, um, and then we can go back and we got three weeks of practices where we uh, we can correct a few things and at the end of the day just just work towards being better uh, the next time we step on the floor and and you know it's we got a little bit of a read and a little bit of film on uh, on Georgia this week, but starting a new year it, it, you always have some gaps and a little bit of holes to, to how they're going to play and the personnel they have, but uh, we'll also get a couple of weeks of film on uh, on Halifax there, and and again they got a few new guys in their roster as well, so we'll be able to narrow down what we want to do as a group. And at the end of the day, we're uh, we're going to play, we're going to correct, and we're going to be better the next time we step on the floor. How's Matty Giles adapting to NLL coaching life? Uh, it's it's been good, it's been good, and again having those three exhibition games is it's been good for like I say not only for the players but for actually us as a staff as well because. Uh, like I say, GI knows his stuff, um, and again, just having the little nuances of the league. Uh, and again, GI said to himself, he's not much of a structure guy, but uh, we need we need structure. So having those scrimmages allowed us to uh, figure out what the, the guys needed when they needed it. And uh, again, we went back to practice, corrected a few things, and so make sure we're a little bit tighter moving into this. But but yeah, great guy. GI was a great teammate when uh, when the couple of years I played with him in Raj, and yeah, so far so good. And it's been great getting to know him a little bit better and and seeing how he's going to work. There's Rochester Nighthawks head coach Mike Hazen, and it was a great answer when we talked about the three goaltender system because he understands that he has to be careful with his three young goaltenders. He can't throw them to the wolves and have their confidence be absolutely shell-shocked facing 60 shots, say, giving up 20 goals, he has to be careful with all three. If one guy lets three or four in, maybe he makes a quick switch, gives him a rest, lets him refocus, and then he can go back in. 
he didn't really hedge his bets either way of who he's going to start, but the way it sounded is is that Rylan Hartley will be the third man out early on. But with the way that their schedule is, they can get this first game under their belts, reevaluate where they are, and then they can have a couple weeks of practices to maybe flush out some of the kinks, move on from some of the things that didn't work, and then continue to look at what they have. Now, they won't really be able to give all three a shot, so they're going to have to make a decision eventually. But with where they're at right now and not wanting to give up any of those three for free if they get put on a practice roster, I think it's a smart thing to do to hold on to those guys, see what you got, and then just kind of slowly build from there. So uh, it's something that we don't usually see, a team carrying three goaltenders, but with the way that this league works, the guy put on the PR uh, has the the right to refuse that and go sign somewhere else. And Rochester doesn't want to lose those guys. So best case scenario, keep them within the fold and let it play out as it may. So I'm excited to see what Rochester brings against Georgia on Saturday night. Uh, it'll be a heck of a contest, but like I kind of said off the start, and I think a lot of people feel this way, um, in that East division with Georgia, New England, New York, and Philadelphia, Georgia kind of has a clear path. I don't want to say clear path, but they have a real shot at being the number one seed in that Eastern Division and at the same time, a possible number one seed overall. Because if you recall, the way that it works this year, top two teams from each division make it, then the two best teams become wild card. Division winners get ranked one through three. Obviously, the higher winning percentage goes one, two, and then three. And then the second place teams are four, five, six. And then the wild card, seven, eight. So as it works out, you could technically see, you know, um, a Saskatchewan-Calgary final just on the way it works. You could see Toronto-Buffalo. You could see Georgia-New York, Georgia-New England. I don't know. I have no idea who that second place team in the East Division is going to be, but... I think this new playoff format is going to uh, it's going to create some interesting playoff matchups in those first couple rounds. And as mentioned, we could see two teams from the same division match up for the NLL Cup final. Uh, I forgot Toronto when we were doing the NLL North. Um, they have great right-handed depth now with Dan Dawson there, Tom Schreiber. That is going to be a scary, scary right-hand side because they're just, none of those guys are selfish. Schreiber can play without the ball. Dawson can play without the ball, but he's probably going to be your quarterback. And then you have Rob Hellyer, who is just continues to be a beast, averaging four and a half, five points a game last year. And then you can run guys up the floor like Brock, Hostrauser, Latrell Harris, and of course, the captain, Chown Rogers, who will probably see quite a bit of O floor time. My one concern about Toronto is they only have seven left-handers right now on the active roster. Craig, Jones, Manns, Palace, Dominique, Tulet, and Slade. Seven left-handers out of a 21-man roster. So 
if they run into some issues of left-handers getting hurt, it could really pose a problem for The Rock moving forward. As for the NLL Eastern Division, start with Georgia. Uh, I love their right-handed offense, Lyle, Miles, Zed Williams. That is a team to be really feared. I think they are one of the best teams in the entire National Lacrosse League. Uh, it's not much of a debate. Then you add in Randy Stotts, and I really think Zed Williams is going to have a breakout year. But overall, their D size scares me. They're not very big. They maybe have a couple of guys who are over 6'2". A lot of guys, 5'10", 5'11", 6 feet. And much like we talked about with Colorado, wanting to get guys like Craig and Jeffrey and boost up their size on the defensive end, I think that's one area that Georgia really lacks is defensive size. As for, how, uh, as for New England, um, their lefty O is quite strong. And when you can have a strong one side, obviously that creates balance with Downs, Durston, Q, LeBlanc, and O'Connor. It can create some unbalance because teams can kind of focus on that one side. However, you can't forget about Callum Crawford, Joe Rezateritz, and I think Davey Emila can really start to take his game to another level, but their lefty forwards are fantastic. It's probably the strength of their club. Unfortunately, like we've talked about a few times on this list going through teams, goaltending. And I've gotten some flack from people who say that Doug Jamison is ready to take his game to the next level. He may very well be able to. I'm just still not sold on his ability as a number one goaltender. And they have Ethan Woods as the backup. He's unproven. So if Jamison struggles out of the gate and they got to fall to Ethan Woods, they're putting in a backup who I don't think has seen a minute of NLL action. So that could be a big question mark for Glenn Clark and his defense. For Philadelphia, they are quite large on the offensive side of the ball. Hickey, Crowley, Courier, Rambo, and Reardon. Those are some big bodies that love to get to the net. I'm excited to see what Brett Hickey can do this year. Um, if you recall, he was a 50-goal scorer in Toronto. Philadelphia picked him up in the expansion draft. And then in the first game, uh, he injured his ankle. I think it might have been the same ankle he hurt a couple years ago uh, in the NLL Finals against the Rush. But he missed the entire season. So if they can get him back and finally get some cohesion with Kevin Crowley, and Josh Courier, I think their offense is going to be much better than they were last year. Uh, unfortunately, they have still a very young defense, and they have no left-handed transition players as of right now. And that may not be a huge issue for some because they can get guys like Finley and Charbonneau and Wagner to run the ball up the floor from the defensive end. But that's asking a lot of those guys. It's a good thing they have a strong left-handed offensive core because then they won't rely on those defensive guys moving up and staying in the offense. Last team, the New York Riptide. Uh, they have good D-depth led by Dan McRae, who I would imagine will probably be announced as their captain. But like most expansion teams, they're young. Uh, they don't have a lot of left-handed transition. 
And I think it's going to be a very long year for the Riptide. Alex Bouquet can give you solid minutes, um, but much like Doug Jamison, I'm just not sure he's ready to be a number one guy or has the ability to be a number one guy. And then as his backup, Craig Seneca, again, another guy who's never seen NLL minutes. So if Bouquet struggles, they have to put in a guy who is incredibly, incredibly green. So overall, when you look at a lot of these teams, familiarity and depth are and size are the three biggest caveats for a team being successful. On the other side, lack of depth, lack of size, and inexperience can hurt you. Of course, that's not rocket science, but when you look at the haves and have-nots in the National Lacrosse League, that's usually a pretty strong factor of who does and who doesn't. Who will be successful and who won't. Experience, leadership, size. Those things will take you a long, long way. And we've got ourselves a long, long way before we can crown a new NLL champion. But it all gets going Friday night, November 29th from the Loud House in Denver, Colorado. Rogers Arena in Vancouver. And then Saturday night, the Blue Cross Arena in Rochester. Those are your three locales for your opening NLL face-off weekend games. Don't forget, BR Live is the only place you can watch every single game all year long. And the fine folks at the NLL and BR Live are giving you the first two weeks free. So make sure you hop on that bandwagon. Get yourself a subscription. Get yourself a comfy chair and get ready for a brand new season. The Roughnecks are defending champs. Will be will they be there when the dust settles in June? We'll find out then. Who do you think will be the winner of the NLL season 1920? Shoot me a Twitter message at off the crossbar. Email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com and let me know what you think. Thanks to Pat Coyle. Thanks to Mike Hayes. And as always, thanks to you, the loyal listener, for standing by and listening by as we got you set for NLL Faceoff Weekend. My name's Teddy Jenner. Enjoy all three games and enjoy all of the turkey. Until next time, be excellent to each other. I am an outlaw.